You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve, and I'm back with Chris and Brad to talk about Highlander 2. Chris, had you seen Highlander 2 before this? I think so. I messaged you about some stuff that makes me think this is what I was thinking about. All right, Brad, how about you? Well, first off, you know, if someone... I've seen this. I've seen all three versions of this now. And if somebody would have told me back in the day... When I was a young man, like when you're a grown man, you'll be sitting in a dark basement talking about the Highlander franchise into a microphone. Be like, hell yes, I'll be doing that. That sounds like, can I get paid for that? No, you can't. We're not getting paid. Uh, yeah, uh, couldn't hear you. What was that? Lost feed. Anyway, let's move on. Um, so this is one that uh, I've seen quite a bit. I've seen the theatrical. I've seen the Renegade. I own the Renegade on DVD. I own the theatrical on VHS. Yeah, this is something, folks. If you have not seen this film, you probably need to stop this. You can watch the theatrical on YouTube. And everything else has the Renegade, like Tubi or wherever it's free. Pluto TV. Yeah, it's just like this is this is nuts. And uh, we got a split here because I watched theatrical. Chris and Brad, you watched the Renegade, correct? Yes. Correct. So last week, we had a fun time talking about a good movie. And this week, we are watching a movie that has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about that? What? It's got 4.2 on IMDb, so. There we go. Before we get started, i got to read this quote from Roger Ebert. This is just great. I mean, I'm not like an Ebert fan or not like an Ebert hater either. But uh, this quote, though, I'm going to read this word for word. Highlander 2, The Quickening, is the most hilariously incomprehensible movie I've seen in many a long day. A movie almost awesome in its badness. Wherever science fiction fans gather, in decades and generations to come, this film will be remembered in hushed tones as one of the immortal low points of the genre. If there is a planet somewhere whose civilization is based on the worst movies of all time, Highlander 2 The Quickening deserves a sacred place among their most treasured artifacts. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he would have been correct until Highlander Endgame came out. I don't know, man. This is not a low point at all. Yeah, but we're not normies. I guess, yeah. I mean, I want to I want to ask a relative to go see this with me. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that Sarah walked in on. And I was sitting here watching it, and she walked in during the time period where Michael Ironside is walking through the like subway and he's just going insane talking to people, just being crazy, and she's like, "Does he care?" And I just laughed out loud, and I'm like, no. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. He's immortal. What's he care? Yeah, not only does his character not care, I don't think he cares. He said he had fun doing this film because it was insane. But I, I just think this this movie was off the rails so quickly because of so many outside forces that we'll get into that we talk about. Because I know Brad loves to talk about, like, the Argentina, like, you know, um, economy, you know, just imploding around them while they're filming this. But there's so much more. I mean, they made an entire like 45 minute documentary on YouTube about how fucking insane it was to film this film. 
Yeah. Please, please talk about that. I just watch movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't watch the entire, I watched like the first like 10 minutes of this 45 minutes. And I, I just love how the director, you know, who created the first one, wrote it and directed it. And I believe he wrote it and directed it. Um, he definitely directed both of these Russell McKay, which he's actually done a lot of films that I like. I, I really like Ricochet, which he did. I think that's very underrated and a few others. He hates this film. He walked out in the screening of this 15 minutes in, and I'll explain why. I mean, this film just has legendary status of bad. Yeah. You know, before we get started, I'd like to say just thank you for making this movie, because it's easy to sit here and be a critic, you know, behind a behind a computer. You know, we don't do anything. We're not responsible for anything. But at least, you know, you created some jobs. That's true. You gave some money back in the economy. You built something. And it's it is delightful. In its own way. I bet this movie has made money through all the DVD special really, you know, special edition, the Renegade. So there's a Renegade version that was like edited in 1995 by Russell McKay. Uh, I don't know when that officially came out, but basically that's like the norm to everyone. A lot of people haven't even seen the theatrical unless, you know, they were back in the day, saw it in the theater or they have the VHS. But now apparently it's on YouTube, which shocked me. Like I get taken down for like more than five seconds of music in a clip, but apparently the entire Highlander to the quickening theatrical version can be up on YouTube. I don't know how that works. Whatever. I'm not bitter. I am. But, you know, most people have seen the Renegade version, which makes more sense. It's still not great. It's cobbled together off of some stuff that, you know, what the director could recover. It makes more sense. It's a lot better than the theatrical version. It really is. How? How is it better? Well, we're it's a masterpiece. This movie is amazing, and I wouldn't trade my watching experience for anything. How does something make less sense than this movie? This reminds me of of Mario Brothers. One of the greatest movies ever. Exactly. Like if you like these type of like insanity, Blade Runner dystopian films. This is right up your alley. It really is because I've watched the Renegade version and it is. It's just like one of those things where it's just so bizarre. There's so much plot. Like there's so much plot getting in way of these actors and you can tell these actors are kind of there's something that's great about the I don't give a shit performance. And I think all Sean Connery, who returns in this magically, uh, Michael Ironside and Christopher Lambert all have that fantastic "I don't give a shit" attitude. Yeah, there's a point. There's a point. Something. There's a point in this movie where they just stop giving a shit. I'm sure it's like two weeks into shooting where they're just looking around, like in the you know the script's constantly changing. You've got like money men from the corporation coming down and yelling at the director in front of actors, which happened. I mean, none of that shit's gonna work. Like. First of all, if you're going to yell at the director, do it behind the scenes. Why do you do it in front of the production people? But anyway, whatever. Um, I'm sure they were all on coke anyway in Argentina at the time when it was falling apart. I do have a story about that. Uh, Michael Ironside told that. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's fantastic. Anyway, let's. Uh, you guys ready to listen to the trailer on this? All right, so this is the UK trailer because the United States trailer is like 45 seconds and it's all like basically music. It sucks. The UK trailer... Kind of explains some of the stories, so let's listen to it. Somewhere in the future. A man from the past. Find the cloud and kill him. Is all that stands between life and death. 
There simply isn't enough energy on the planet to take down the shield without killing us all. The world is dying, McLeod. The shield had to come down. Greetings, Islander. You cold? Rather glad the magic works. So the like the guys who come down and fight Connor McCloud, you know, the like porcupine bird people, um, which are aliens in my version and just uh, mortals in the other version. They kind of sound like the Crypt Keeper. Like, ah! <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, I did notice in this uh, film and especially this trailer that they lean into that. It's like magic. A line that they used in the first one to explain why they're mortal. Now they did it in the first one because they just really didn't want to reveal anything of why these people were born immortal. This one they lean into it as a story plot because they're like, I, I don't fucking know. I don't know. What the, no one knows what's going on. The script changed so much. Uh, so I love that, and they stuck in the trailer because like this fucking movie is is nuts. See, you guys didn't get to watch the really bad version like I did. I will. Oh, yeah, it, it's there. And yeah, it's you'll see some stuff. You'll see some stuff and you'll be like, wait, why? Oh, there is no explanation. No one knows why. It's because like investors ended up editing this film because they took it away from the director. Uh, and I'll get into that later. But uh, yeah, let's let's pop in this VHS. Now available on video and DVD. Here are the trailers here. We've only got one and it's December. Now, this has got like uh, Will Wheaton in it. Um, forget what's his name that was in Mallrats and everything. The Jason guy, whatever. He's got a twin brother uh, also in some other films. But uh, yeah, this is basically like you're going to join World War Two after Pearl Harbor. Are you crazy? Do you know why people you know, it's like. It's like a anti-war kind of like Dead Poet Society type movie. Hard pass for me. Yeah, because in America we fight our wars. Damn it. Yeah, I didn't see it, so I don't know. I yeah, I I don't think I'll ever watch this. I just think this is Oscar bait, and it just felt flat. But you know, it helps some younger actors like Will Wheaton and stuff get some uh, more credibility. So 
you know, it did its job. We see these all the time, man. Like, especially in the 80s and 90s, they fucking love these, like, questioning war movies. Uh, after 9-11, we just, like, we're like, yeah, we're not doing this shit. We don't care anymore. Everything's evil. Let's escape. <laughs> uh, except the, you know, like, hostels and stuff. Horror went really dark after 9-11. Well, we've talked mm-hmm. about that plenty of times on this show. But, yeah, let's get on. The after 9-11, you just cast like any a brown person in any kind of like villain role. And there you go. It's like, just hate this guy because he's brown. Yeah, no more Nazis. Yep. Oh, yeah. We, we hit it pretty hard in some of these movies with terrorists. But we were doing that in the late 90s, too, because, you know, you had Air Force One. Even though, you know, you had white actors playing brown people. But, hey. It was a different time. <laughs> well, you know, going back to the 80s, taking it back to our uh, breakdown of uh, Iron Eagle, you know, they had some pretty, pretty dodgy casting in that one, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I figured because like that was during the like Iraqian, you know, like Desert Storm at one point, you know, with stuff like that. But yeah, war movies, politics, fuck it. Or you can just watch Four Lions. It's a completely different terrorist movie. I haven't seen that. It's a comedy. It's fucking amazing. Mm, I might have to put that you on my watch list. It. They like go train with Al Qaeda and he shoots a, a rocket launcher, but he shoots it backwards. Sounds about right. Just a comedy of some like uh, English dudes trying to join Al Qaeda. It's pretty funny. Or ISIS at the time. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Good movie. 2010. It's a good one. All right. Feature presentation. And now, our feature presentation. So, in my version, it starts off with August 1999. And I really had a hard time getting past August. Couldn't they just put 1999, like when he's about to put the shield up to protect the ozone layer? Or protect the Earth? Film. I was like, August 1999. That was, like Implying that it's hot, but it's like also wintertime in the Southern Hemisphere, so... Well, I'm just saying, like, just put 1999. Why do you have to put August? It's not like it came back to the film. You know what I mean? You're saying something in this film is out of sequence and, like, just totally. Yeah, there's something in this film that doesn't make sense. And it's only August 1999. Yeah, Uh, everything else is very clear and concise and to the point. I don't know where you're having trouble. (laughs) Yeah, and then it shows that Connor McLeod has ended his sword fighting days. He's become a scientist. I guess that's he used his brain you know like his abilities to hear people's thoughts and he became a scientist to help us from the ozone layer puts a shield around the earth i would have taken that gift to wall street man yeah i i I mean i think i think that's what the ending was supposed to show is he's supposed to be like a savior complex i get like jesus vibes from the whole highlander thing like you die and come back to life and then you're here to save humanity at the end and stuff like that yeah, that would have worked if he was pure, but, you know, he bangs another chick, so... <laughs> yeah, they don't take it in a good direction. He just builds this electromagnetic field. Could have done so much. As soon as he did it, and I'm like, wait a minute. So your your entire, like, goal here is to block out the sun? Wouldn't that kill everything on Earth? I mean, we've seen the Matrix. I just think that's, like, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just give everyone an umbrella. I don't. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's just real rainy out today, guys. 
Well, at one point, they even say in the news, they're like, oh, the weather is the same because there's no sun or rain. And I'm like, how does... Everyone just eats mushrooms, I guess. I don't know. How does electromagnetism block out the sun? I don't know. And how does one company, like, own all of the rights to the, the sun shield? That's, I mean... That's kind of crazy, and at the same time makes sense because it would probably be Amazon. Because <laughs> that's smart. Oh Jesus! Anyway, so they go twenty-five years in the future. We see that Connor McCloud has now become an old man and enjoys the opera, and uh, yeah, just darkness, darkness everywhere. Yeah, it's twenty twenty-four, and the world is a piece of shit. I mean, I love that opening scene on the opera, fucking neons. Like the slow pan in, I I I I love this dystopian future. It made me think of Dark City a lot, which is an amazing yeah. movie. Well, what makes me feel better is 2022 is going so well that there's no way this future is a possibility. Everything's right. great. I'm, I'm shooting for this future. If we're lucky. <laughs> That's where I thrive. I was like fucking 2024. I was like, oh man, is. Out of all the films, please, Highlander 2, don't be the one to get it right. Fuck! <laughs> but I'd rather have Highlander 2 than Future Sport. Yeah, at least we wouldn't have to watch that shit. It's the same year. Oh, God, it is. Which one will produce, which one will predict it better? Oh, no. Uh, that, but don't worry, everyone. We immediately get a flashback to 500 years ago on the planet Zeist. This is where there is a deviation in the difference, you know, in the the two cuts here. So in my cut, they go to the planet Zeist. Sean Connery now tells everyone that they weren't born immortal. They were actually aliens from a planet Zeist who, after losing a war, was exiled to planet Earth to become immortal. Their punishment was to become immortal and kill everyone Take the heads, and then you would get the wish of either coming back to planet Zeist or becoming uh, a mortal on planet Earth. So the reward in this movie is the same thing as the first one. I don't get why becoming mortal on Earth is a reward. Like, if when I, I don't know, it's freedom of choice. I get you need to yeah. come back or stay there. Yeah, but the thing is, is they lost. Their army lost, which, by the way, their army had swords running into gunfire, into laser fire, uh, just like a doomed, uh, like, fucking war. It's so bad. Was it on the desert planet? Yes. They're just running straight into laser fire. In our version, they they don't say where they are. Just there. On top of all this, Connor McLeod was randomly picked to be the leader because Sean Connery just points and he goes, and the leader will be you right there. You're going to be the leader of the resistance. And I was like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is going on? They put their hands in some electric goo and like, it's so bad. And then, you know, they show like Michael Ironside's character, general, I'm just going to call him Zod. I know it's not, it's it's like general Katana or whatever. And, um, yeah, it's good. He's pissed. He's like, wait a minute. I beat them in a war and their punishment is becoming an immortal on another planet. Yeah, I'd be pissed, too. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, he said, like, our our common practice is to exile these people to the different plane. But it says in Brad, 
Yeah, the Renegade says yeah. distant future, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like they're instead of aliens, they're time travelers in the Renegade version. But there's no time travel in the future. Yes, it's almost like these make no sense. Uh-huh. So it was at this point where I decided to go outside and smoke a cigarette with my girlfriend on the porch. And she asked me to explain what's going on. Oh, yeah. There's like 15 minutes of plot here. And most of it is you going, well, I don't quite understand what they're trying to do, but I think they're, well, maybe they're trying to, and it's just like bumbling, stumbling for 15 minutes. They had a war in the past and then that punished to the future, which is Highlander 1, which apparently when you move through time, you forget who each other is, but then you remember to scream their name later, but and then you're best friends again, but then it goes, that's... And then at the end, it's going to be a different timeline. I have a quote later in the movie that tries to explain the movie, and I would like to read it, but not currently. Remember when we were talking earlier before we came on, where it's like, if you really understand something well, you can explain it to a 10-year-old? Fuck it, I can't even explain this movie to myself. (laughs) (laughs) My thing is, if you wanted to punish these people, wouldn't like remembering that like you're best friends with them and you have to chop their head off, that would be pretty bad punishment. But then again, I guess, if you knew that, why would you chop their head off? You know, you just be immortal. Is that what we're saying, though? That in the the Renegade, minus the aliens and just time travel, that these guys were, like, in BC, and then they teleport them to, you know, AD, but then they have to live a life and they don't know who each other is? Is that... Is that the idea? In my version, they send them to the planet Earth, which is a foreign planet. Way more sense than time travel. Well, and they send them to planet Earth, which is a foreign planet, and they can't remember anything. And then they have to battle each other to get back to their home planet. Yeah, they have to do Highlander one. But here's the thing: if they're actually, if they actually go back to planet Zeiss then General Katana is going to kill them because he's he's General Katana. He's fucked up. I mean, he even says it. I think at one point, he's just like, well, when you get back, I'll kill you. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I thought maybe that would tie in to why Connor McLeod would win and then stay because he's like, oh, I want to be mortal. I want to stay on Earth. Why would I go back to Zeist? But they never actually do that. I mean, there's so many problems in this. Like, and I don't even know why they're fighting General Katana in the first place. I have no idea. I don't know if he's oppressing them or if he's threatening to take their lands. I don't know what's happening. They just like, oh, he's, you know, Ramirez is like, that guy right there is our leader. Let's go to war. And then they charge into gunfire with swords and they lose naturally. And then they're sent to Earth to become immortals and chop each other's heads off until there's only one and then they can return. And I was like, that make what the fuck? This is the best story that you guys had. You got me wondering now if the Kurgan, was he back there on that planet? And was he like a cool guy back then in his previous life? Or was he like a total? Yeah. They said it was anybody that revolted against the government was exiled. Okay. So the renegade version made it like if you revolt against the government. So they were like oppressing people. Well, let's just say that, I guess, but they didn't, they didn't say that in the theatrical version. It's just like, their Supreme Court was way more understanding, but you know. <laughs> Political. We, we we go to present day again, 
and we see Connor McLeod is falling asleep in an opera. He's going to a bar and, you know, one of the patrons attack him, you know, like, yeah, you put us under a fucking dome. I mean, I guess technically he saved their lives, but he also like is is the cure worse than the actual disease? Yeah, 30 years later, is the cure really something you still want? Yeah, I just love it because in my version, they introduce you to um, Marcus, which is Virginia Madison, which, by the way. Yep. Yeah. Wow. She's uh, she's part of this, I guess, terrorist group. Uh, I don't even know the name of it. Cobalt. Cobalt. That's right. And they attack the shield generator, which the company that runs the shield generator is called Shield. It's it's also from Solar Babies. It's the same facility. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it looks identical to it. If I could remember Solar Babies in one of my worst episodes ever. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's um, fucking amazing. You need to rewatch it. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I sleepwalked through that movie, and I, I still remember it's not worth watching. <laughs> hard, hard brown out. Uh, yeah, so she breaks in, and then she finds out that, like, oh, the ozone layer's fine. We could just turn down the shield, which then it turns into an evil corporation movie, which is also merged into this aliens war movie that puts the other aliens that lost to earth and then they became mortal. There's so much plot. There's so much fucking plot. I will say something about when they attack that facility, like past future tech is one of the coolest ideas ever in film. Like every time I see it, they, they pulled out that circuit board. They had like three resistors and a capacitor on it. And it's running this entire facility The the display units that they had everywhere with the big chunky letters and just like, hard lines going through everything i love it i love that aesthetic the 80s predicting of the future like computer run world is always fantastic yeah because they're trying to do it as futuristic and it's not the 80s it was 91 ah close enough well i agree yeah they're taking like the trends and just and just uh elaborating on those trends they're just um continuing those trends that they're seeing so yeah, and they don't have any CG, so everything has to done has to be done. And they're just using old stuff. Like, yeah, like it's it's so amazing to me. It, it just makes me happy. I love it. Uh, what I love is Doctor Cox is in this movie, and mm-hmm. he is playing a George Orwell inspired bad guy, where he lowers his voice and he's just ridiculous, and I love it. One of the bobs. The corporate greed. He's great. Yeah. But this, so this is fantastic about my version is, you know, General Katana is just like, okay, let's go kill Connor McLeod. Let's, I'm going to zap my two goons to planet Earth, which there's no time travel in this. So it's like zapping them to planet Earth. But they bring up, they're like, yeah, but he's almost dead. What's the point? Correct. He is mortal. He will be dead soon. Why are you doing this? There's no explanation. There's not like, oh, you know, he could turn back to immortal if blah, blah, blah. No. General Katana is just like, he doesn't want to wait a few years. This dude's old. It's not even a few years. Another bar patron is going to kill him. That's right. Oh, Rusty Schwimmer. It's as if an old guy with a bunch of power and a little ego lets it go to his head. Oh, yeah. we, oh I've never seen that. 
I mean, and they're like, because McLeod just wants to die at this point. He keeps trying to call his friend, but he's not getting calls. He's just is like, well, that's fine. I'll die. Even though the like goons tell him not to do it, he sends the two like bird porcupine hedgehog guys down to fight, which is great because I actually think they do a good job of having Connor McLeod like barely hang on and survive and jump around and block some shots about, you know, from two idiots. And then one gets his head cut off from a train, you know, on the tracks. And then he rises back and he becomes hot. McLeod just comes out and like, I mean, honestly, no woman could resist him. Right. Oh, and in the mean, yeah. And in the meantime, he takes um, Virginia Madsen and stuffs her in a dumpster. (laughs) No. Yeah. 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 Hide in here. Get in. And then he kills the other guy. And I'm going to tell you what, nothing turns on a woman like stuffing her in a dumpster, killing two futuristic dudes, one that can fly and then telling them you're an alien. I mean, that's instant lay instant. Bro, 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 and bro. he doesn't even take her to a bed. He just bangs her in an alley. It's just public sex in a freaking dumpster. Well, you you skipped this part of the movie. Oh, I know I skipped it. I, I went straight to banging. Yeah, not the best part. It, it uh, matters, but uh, oh, I mean, no, when, when kills... the guy just does like the Batman bat wings, and then oh, I know, Kyle gets on the the razor blade floating scooter from Back to the Future, and then they have their they have their their air battle. Like it, that point came on the movie, and I like I I made audible noises in my living room by myself. You can see the wings like flat, like. Clearly, they're not metal because, I mean, obviously that metal would be so heavy. They're some type of like fiberglass or whatever. And you can you just, see the wire. just dollar store costume wings. <laughs> they're they're awesome. Just flop up. And then he yells, Ramirez! He just pushes a button on his suit and he's like, wow, got wings now. <laughs> well, then, and then he brings Ramirez back from the dead from yelling his name. And we're like, what? the fuck was that and i read like in the wikipedia remember like, when you need me call my name how does that fucking work because the goo that brad brought up it connected them they said we're connected and not only physically but spiritually and then they banged but they didn't show that you know so i'm assuming the quickening gave him the power to bring ramirez back from the dead what i get is the quickenings you absorb their soul and every soul they've taken because if you watch the end of one, when he quickens, uh, God damn it, I already closed IMDb. But when he kills him, he uh, that, like that animated sequence of all the souls like fighting him, but biting him at the same time. There's like hundreds of different souls that that guy was controlling. But wouldn't they come back as like a force ghost like Star Wars? So he like shot his his Ramirez soul goo out of him. Oh I don't get it. It's confusing, but that I'm trying to make sense of it. Well, yeah, and then Ramirez comes back and Sean Connery gets paid a ridiculous amount of money to do like a week or two weeks worth of shoots. And one of them is just like getting a suit put on him. (laughs) (laughs) What in the hell was that for? There's no reason to have that other than add to the runtime. But what is hilarious is my runtime is only 87 minutes on the theatrical cut. I don't know what mine was. It's longer because of the commercials. But But no, he pays all that money to get that suit on to immediately get stabbed or shot. Well, and in mine, he dies from a ceiling fan. Yeah, but they get shot up in the car. 
Oh, yeah, that was fun. I like that. I don't know how they even made it that far. And they were looking like they were having some fun during that scene where they were like comparing gunshot wounds. They're like 108. Oh, 112. You're going to count that one? They went through, they're straight through me. Like, how much of this was just ad libbed? I don't care. This, this, made me, this movie is a masterpiece. Actually, see, when I watched this, this movie made me smile because it just is so ridiculous. Eventually, Ramirez finds Connor McLeod in his apartment after banging um, Virginia Madison's character. And I do like how they have a little sword fight. And he's like, oh, it's good to see you. And he's like, well, we got to break into this facility to get rid of the shield. And he's like, OK. And then smashes the, like, the shield globe, which I want. That was awesome looking. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one would get it except you guys. <laughs> You're also the wanting to have a random globe in your house kind of nerd, huh? We got laid in high school. But it's got to be a dystopian globe. <laughs> oh, we just got to talk about Michael Ironside coming down on that subway. Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's, he's so over the top. I mean, this was like pro wrestling over the top. Did is the greatest scene of this movie, I think. He steals that one guy's like coat, beats the shit out of him, and then he goes and just like gets this train up to like the subway up to like 300 miles an hour. And it's like looking back at that kid, he's just like, ah, oh, this is awesome, isn't it? Uh, there is a story behind that. He, he, uh, Michael Ironside told so his stunt guy the night before got fucked up on cocaine because apparently in Argentina, Coke was so cheap that even a stunt guy could afford a shit ton of it. And he bought and he got really fucked up. Even a stunt guy can afford cocaine. Yeah. (laughs) He got, he got really fucked up and he showed, showed up at Michael Ironside's door and he's like, Hey, and Michael Ironside looks down and he's just like, this guy's got no fucking pants on. He's like, Oh my God, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, can I borrow some sweatpants? And he's like, holy shit, my stunt guy's fucked up. And then the next day they were shooting that subway scene. You know, the the guy's supposed to drop through the roof and do all the stunt and everything like that. But he apparently was so fucked up that he fucked it up. It was like really bad. And Michael Ironside was just like, I think I can do this. And they're like, oh, man, I don't know. You know, if something happens to you, you know, we've got no one to take your spot or something like that. And he's like, no, 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 I got this. We'll just, you know, we'll figure this out. And they like pretty much just dropped him into the subway and just made up the entire scene, which did not involve him taking the coat. He just like Michael Ironside is just like, wouldn't it be cool if I just took this guy's coat? And they're like, okay. <laughs> that explains when he lands and just gets up and he's like, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's like completely made this up because it was supposed to be completely different. It was supposed to be him landing on the subway and saying like, where am I? And then walking straight up to the driver killing the driver and then driving, you know, the subway through the wall to, you know, cause it, it's supposed to be no nonsense business. But once Michael Ironside got a hold of it, he goes, Oh, we can do more of this. Yeah, you got to have that gritty shitty dude on a subway scene, man. Such a iconic kind of scene. And then later on he gets, you know, put it on my tab scene, which completely ad libbed at one point, like you in the music business, my sister's in the music business. They had a scene and it was supposed to be him terrorizing a taxi driver and they just took over because Michael Ironside in one of his interviews says just like, I, I'm really good friends with Russell McKay, but he was getting terrorized so much from, you know, like the insurance company and all the investors and everything that like 
at a certain point, we were getting so many changes in the script. I decided not to give a shit and just have fun. And that was one of the scenes is the taxi where he's just like they were talking. The two actors were talking and they're like, let's make this up. And that fucking scene is just completely made up, like from even popping the tire and put it on my tab. He knocks on the window and the guy doesn't roll it down. So he smashes it open to talk to him. Well, the thing is, like, put it on my tab. That doesn't make any sense. Why would General Katana know, you know, that type of lingo to a cab driver? He doesn't. It's just them fucking around. And it makes this, it makes it fun. They can watch this future. I don't know if you know that they were watching McLeod. They can watch the future. Maybe they watch it as like pastime TV. They don't really watch it. They just know he's here. Yeah, they like on on ours. They like show him at the bar mm. no they don't have that in mind i don't know i'm still i'm still beyond confused we can talk about this for four or five hours after we're off if you want to figure it out brad seems smarter than both of us he can probably explain <laughs> the more i watch it the less i understand <laughs> i mean at least we get john c mcginley you know dr cox in here uh i, I do love how they introduce like connor mcleod's friend you know, in there, and he's like typing on his computer, trying to be secretive. And he's like, "Ah, all that shit prints out on my in my desk." You know, like, don't bother. Like, I really like, I really liked that role. I thought he did really good at what he was doing. Evil corporation guy is no, always his, his 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 friend. Oh yeah, that helped him like build the shield. Yeah, I thought he was really good. He didn't get a lot of screen time or anything, but I thought what he was doing was really really good. Like you could tell he was being held. He was being held hostage by like a corporation beyond his will and stuff. And he was trying to tell him shit. You could, yeah, I thought he just did really well. Well, I mean, at one point, like Dr. Cox takes him and snaps his fingers. And I thought the next scene showed like a bunch of cars on the ground. And I thought for sure he was going to go falling into the one of the cars from like, they're just going to drop him off the building and kill him. No, that's Dr. Cox. No, that's later on in the movie. But I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> And that's really him. That's not a dummy falling out the window either. What? No wonder I haven't heard anything about him in years. <sighs> oh, man. I love because like dummies, for some reason, the greatest things about like cheaper movies. I don't know why this movie would use a dummy like that and keep that shot. But the greatest thing about like dummies and cheaper movies is the arms don't flap right. You know, because like you can hold your arms up and be afraid and kind of move them and still like have weight. But dummies don't, they just go flat, 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 flat. You're going to put them like in front of your chest or in front of your face and hold that the whole time. Yeah, something like that. But dummies don't like it just it's so comical. And I will tell you, I will trade practical effects any day for modern CG, though. Oh, yeah, they suck. Oh, yeah. The whole like line from Michael Ironside when he sees uh, Connor McCloud at like the gravestone of his ex-wife. Such Where he's like, scene. ashes to ashes, dust is dust. If you don't take it out and use it, it's going to yeah, rust. You, <laughs> you better be fucking something else soon. Oh, God. I just love how much him and John C. McGinley and even Sean Connery at times just chew the scenery. They just don't care. It's great. I love how that holy, holy land persists through both movies. Yeah, we're on holy ground. I won't even do anything here. And I was like, you won't? Like you, you're apparently way in the future before Jesus even existed. Like you care about religion. 
Well, the thing is, is like it seems more of like an honorable code. Like we won't do it. I don't know if there's any rules. Like, will they actually like if they start fighting on holy ground, do they die? Like, what happens? No, it's just something. It's honor code. It it just seems like to me, looking at a you know a guy like General Katana, like he wouldn't care about honor or code or rules. That's what I'm saying. Like he would use it to his advantage. Like if he thought he was going to lose a fight, he'd be like, "Oh no, we can't take a life on holy ground." I think the the villain in one would take more like respect of an honor code than Katana would. Yeah, Katana doesn't care. He was an asshole and a piece of shit, but I don't think he was. He was a warrior through and through. You know what I mean? Oh, I could see that. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I think um, Kurgan would respect that more. Kurgan's like, this is the rules of our war, and this is what we follow. That's fine. But if you step out of here, I'll fucking murder you. And then, you know, we do get them breaking in to the shield generator, getting shot up and everything, and then finding McLeod's uh, friend who dies conveniently after telling them some information in the jail. That is the worst thing ever, though. Yeah. At some point in this movie, they go, they're given some coordinates to prove that the ozone layers repaired itself where you can go above the shield and so okay yeah that's in your guys's cut yeah well that was oh that was during the office scene you were talking about i thought that's what you were talking about yeah because it's like they, the movie split up differently in the renegade version but i had to go like nerd on this stuff and looked at that i stopped the movie and looked at the coordinates it's like greenland someplace in greenland they have to go to beautiful beautiful green yeah don't they go like above the actual shield to test the radiation and the ozone layer. Yeah. If they went to Greenland, how the fuck did they get there? Because they literally go through a tunnel, they're there, and then they go through a tunnel and they're back. One of the many mysteries. They're time traveling, and you're complaining about them getting to Greenland. (laughs) All right, speaking of, I have a note that takes up half a page, and it says, I am so fucking confused. What is this timeline? This is why I hate time travel. Fuck this. Yeah, that was my note. At like 3 a.m. Justified. Everything you said in that note, justified. Yeah. Then right after it was like, can it afford Queen again? I see. Uh, That was during the makeup scene when they started playing the the main Queen theme, but it's just an orchestra. Yeah. Maybe that's so they didn't have to pay Queen as much. Uh, So they're in they're in the prison. And in my version, Ramirez says, like, like, I don't get this. Like, apparently if the immortals concentrate all their energy, they can make a, a, a metal ceiling fan, a soup souped up metal ceiling fan stop for just a little bit. So uh, McLeod and uh, Madison can get out of the little. Does you not go back up and explode? Ours was a big explosion. Yeah, there's an explosion. He's like, most people just let their life trickle by. And then some people make full effort out of it or some bullshit some bullshit i'm like what are you talking about so he has like jedi powers now i'm saying it's star wars shit would have been handy against the kurgan back when he got his head cut off the first time yeah maybe the yeah the first maybe he used it in fast it's not even actually ramirez right it's like some type of soul powered no it's ramirez Ghost Ramirez. It, it is Ramirez. You doesn't make any fucking sense. We didn't sense. talk about when Ramirez came in though during the Shakespearean play. That was a good scene. Yeah, it was pretty funny. That was Sean Connery having a lot of fun. It just seemed like an ab lib. Like it was amazing. 
Yeah, they even have like a, a kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, it's cool if you're gay and everything. I don't, I don't care if you know your friend, whatever you had together, your little skull, <laughs> and, and it ends up being like, shake. It was Hamlet, right? And then he goes, sir, fuck off. You're being a twat or whatever. <laughs> whatever he calls them something like when he called them haggis, and he's like, what's haggis? That's from the first movie, the haggis line. I know. Okay. Uh, like a fuck. Yeah, I don't know what he says. I remember. He calls him like shithead or something. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. And then he comes, keeps calling people shitheads when he is looking at the TVs before he gets the suit and everything. That whole like weird 15 minutes of the film that doesn't belong is actually just really good watching Sean Connery just be whatever he is in the time. Knowing like he's in the wrong time period, but he's like, whatever, we're immortal. This is weird. I'm going about my day. Yeah, it's <laughs> and somehow in this mix, I think he does he recover because Connor McLeod has the broadsword that he took from one of the, the dudes, the spike porcupine bird dudes. And then sometime later, he has his katana sword again. And like, where how did he get that? And it's the same, like, uh, like the, the, the uh, katana has the same sword almost as the original guy, and I can't remember his name. You said it, Kurgan, 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 yeah. Yeah, so where it's got the two pieces that form together, you see it when he stabs it through the cabbie. But the hilt is different. Yeah. I don't know if these were supposed to matter, and they just cut it. I bet at one time in the script there was something that, like, you know, like, connected. That, like, maybe General Katana and the Kurgan had some type of, like, interaction. You know, like, some type of lineage together. I don't know. Or just technology from the future past sword i don't know but michael ironside mentioned he's like it was great you know like having that broad sword and like just slinging it around but he goes but the fight scenes were impossible because you had a 22 pound broadsword, and he's just like there's no way to be graceful with that and apparently they both got injured at their their final fight michael ironside and and uh christopher lambert were I don't know. I don't know. They both recovered fine, but someone got like a part of their finger chopped off. And yeah, I think it was Christopher Lambert, didn't it? Yeah, yeah he did. He got a cut of part of his finger cut off. I remember him missing part of his finger. You know, they're both fighting like a 22 pound sword is insane. That's what I'm saying. The fight scenes are terrible, but it makes sense if you're not using foam. They get they, like as a. I, that's, I consider myself fairly strong. I'm not going to fling that thing around gracefully. Oh, no. If you fuck up one time and they don't block right, holy shit. Yeah. So, like, all the movements are slow. Like, the sword will go above their head real fast, and then it's slow to come down to make sure the other person blocks in time. Yeah, that's a good point. That's probably why in the first one, the final fight was so clunky at parts because, you know, Clancy Brown's like sitting there hauling around a 20, 30 pound sword. Yeah. So when he's doing that windmill spin to cut down the sign, yeah, he's having a blast, not worrying about anything. Yeah. But when it's an actual fight, he doesn't want to cut somebody's hand off. Well, I think because, you know, Michael Ironside had that giant sword, that's why the ending fight in this movie is so short. Because he didn't want to wield it. I mean, I'm sure someone got hurt and then you're just like, oh, Jesus, we can't do this. Let's, you know, and then he immediately pretty much kills him, which helps take down the entire shield generator, which I thought was clever. You know, the quickening taking down the shield generator because they had, you know, plugged in earlier in the script that like 
it had a defense mechanism that it would take a lot of energy or a big blast to take it all down. So I was like, okay, at least they tried with that. I'll give them that. But the rest of the movie's so much ridiculous. But uh, I mean, even down to Dr. Cox's death is basically him getting his nuts squished and then thrown out the window. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you're like face to face with an immortal who carries around a giant broadsword and just murders people, why would you get snarky with him? I mean, why wouldn't you? Isn't that what he's there for? It's like, what would you say you do here? Yeah, he's a trillionaire that just acts like he owns everything. That's his character. Yeah, I mean, John C. McGinley just plays that character so well of anyone who's just a complete jackass in the wrong you know, spot. You know, just like like he was in office space. What would you say you do here or here? He's just like, oh, you really fucked that one up, didn't you? Just to get thrown out the window and your ball squashed. Great. I fucking love him. He like I'm so glad he found Scrubs and we got so much more of him because he's just yeah, he's a good actor. Fuck, I love it. And then uh, you know, the quickening kills the shield. Now, depending on what version you watch, the ending is different everywhere. The quickening didn't kill the shield. I thought the the quickening what, no, no, no. He had the quickening and everything, and he keeps hearing like in the end it will take two of you to destroy it. Uh he just walks into it. He stands inside of it after the quickening and his body destroys it. What? Yeah. He just stands inside of it. Your version might be different. But... Well, I got some questions then. Isn't he like mortal again? And wouldn't that just like fry him like instantaneously? Yeah. Cause the minute he killed the last immortal, shouldn't he be mortal again? Well, doesn't, when does he choose? When does he choose to go back to planet Zayas? Zay or well, I guess in yours, I don't know. Fuck it. No one cares. I do have something I wanted to talk about after they banged in the, the alley and went back and he stabbed her, but we kind of skipped over it. Go. Oh. She's confused. I have an entire quote to read here. I don't know if you guys know it, but she goes, okay, now let me just see if I can get this straight. Oh God, my handwriting is terrible when I'm drunk. Uh, you're mortal there, but you're immortal here until you kill all the guys from there who have came here. And there you're mortal here, unless you go back there or some more guys from there come here, in which case you become immortal here again. And he goes, yeah, it's something like that. Well, in my version, he says, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's like magic. <laughs> Does he? Yeah, he just <laughs> explains it off like that. And I'm like, oh, come on, screenwriters. He came in to ask what the movie was about. And I rewound to that part. And I was like, here we go. I, I I don't understand it more than this. I wouldn't even use that excuse with my five-year-old daughter. I mean, it's like, that's ridiculous. It's it's like magic. It's bad. It's really bad. And somehow extremely enjoyable. Uh, because my version was 87 minutes, and it, I, it flew by. I was just like, this is fucking batshit crazy. This makes no sense. I have so many questions, but thank God it was 87 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like six beers deep, so I think it took longer than it should have, but it was a great watch. Well, in the UK version, it's even crazier because after they take down the shield and everything, he floats off into the space or whatever and just goes, hey, you can come with me. And she's like, no, I can't. That's crazy. I can't go to Planet Zeist. And he's like, yeah, sure you can. It's like magic. And they just float off into space into the planet. And I'm like, what the fuck? That's the UK ending? Hey, you don't come in between love, okay, Steven? Oh, my God. 
they go off and the, they go back to the planet and get like promptly just executed the moment they show back up. That's my thing. I was like, what if they? <laughs> I think if you end up back there, you win sovereignty or something. You know what I mean? If you, it's like uh, that that trial. If you end up completing it, then you're you're innocent now. I just, I mean, at one point, it's got to piss you off if you're the creator of this because they basically just destroy the first film. You know, the first film wrapped it all up. They're like, okay, you know, he, he chose more mortal to be mortal instead of going back to whatever. I actually, no, I don't know what the first one choice was, but he became mortal so he can have kids. You assume he'd want to have children. He's married. Now he can. That, that was a big point of the first one. And he could read minds apparently, which it was like, I want to have a family. Yeah. And this one, they're just like, ah, uh, yeah, that's my second wife. She died. That's what, that's what you're saying. We, they, all right. I don't know, Brad, do you have ADD? Cause I know me and Steven do, and we, it, it's difficult <laughs> to keep track of them, but like, we skipped over his wife's death scene also. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did. Because it's like right after in the, 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 the in his house. It's right after that monologue I just read. And then he's we like, did, wow, yeah. well, look at all my cool shit. Let's bang. This like, yeah, they're in this giant infirmary that's like acres and acres big for anyone that gets sunlight on them. And, and it's like, I, they didn't cast Roxanne Hart for this movie, right? It's like some other fill-in. Oh, no. Yeah, see, you guys got this scene. I didn't. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Mine is just, he just says goodbye to her at the cemetery. And then Michael Ironside comes in and like wipes his boot on it. So I've never seen a studio like just, it's like they just went out of their way to take a giant dump on her. It's like, they must really hate her. Like, Well, explain to me what happens exactly. Well, she's there with, she's got a, a bandage over her face or covering her eyes. because so they wanted to make it someone kind of look like her, but not have to pay her. And she's dying. She's like, promise me you'll save the earth or something, you know, whatever. And he kisses in the forehead and just walks off with no emotion whatsoever. Wait, so he like divorces her in this one? No, no. No, she just, she's dying. He just kisses her in the forehead and just walks off. What is she dying from? She's all like chemically burned, like faces all like kind of distorted with wrinkles, like, like zombie wrinkles through, not like, oh, you're old wrinkles but like zombie wrinkles through her face but she's got a big sleeping mask over her eyes and it, it she's like yeah to make sure you save the earth and he's like this is a plight and then all of a sudden she just stops breathing and he just gets up and he's like tra la 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 going about my life i'm an immortal this means nothing to me and they paint away so you know like epidemic movies where they have an entire stadium just full of cots that's what this is for people that were killed or damaged by the UV radiation. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't. That's bizarre. It was zero shits given about that. There's like just mailing it in. And this is like, this is the version that the director wanted. This version makes, makes a lot of sense at times. But he like loved her and he's just like, peace. I want to go bang someone else. God, yeah, I, I don't. It, it was a flashback to why he decided to. Oh, it's a flashback. Okay, all right. This was yeah, back in like 1998 or 1999, around that time. Oh, and this is like supposed to inspire him. Yeah, it just reminded me of that statue where they, when the movie first started, and they show that statue protected under the shield. It has a date, like when it started, like 1999, 19, whatever. Yeah. And then it has an end date of 2024 on it. It's like the shield's still there. <laughs> why is there an end date? 
I gotta go watch this again. Yeah, right after her scene, they talk about his death. Because, like, that's how she kind of figured out that he's immortal. She's reading that book or his diaries. It's either after she, it's after she finds out he's immortal. It's like reading him on his diary post, and it's about him on a boat. And it says all the other crew members have died. When is this going to end? Is this a sick joke? And then he's a captain of a ship. It's like, did was that his death in this timeline? Is this Evangelion with multiple timelines, which are really confusing and overlapping? Or is this just that they did they fucked up and it's another time after he already died and now is immortal that he's on a ship and he's starting to realize like he can't die? Or did they fuck up? Go with the latter. Yeah, probably. Steve, that's a lot to take in, isn't it? Oh, damn it. I was muted. I go, what's weird about this (laughs) is like in 1995, you know, he comes out with the Renegade version. I don't know when that was officially released. And then 2004, they come out with a special edition of the Renegade version, which I, I think they just made the shield blue and added like a couple scenes, which I'm sure you guys are. That's probably what you watched on Pluto TV or Tubi or whatever. Tubi. Like, it's so much different. Like, there's so much you guys are talking about where I'm like, that is not my version at all. I was really confused when you said aliens. Like, I was just didn't know if there was extra characters that were aliens or if they were aliens. Where'd that come into play? So what happened was, is it got to the certain point that a lot of the investors got really scared in the insurance company because, you know, Argentina, where they were filming this basically inflation got so crazy that they were like, we're not going to make any money off this. So people got scared because they looked at the dailies and the original cut of the director. And they're like, Holy shit, this is a long sci-fi epic, which doesn't make money in their eyes. So they completely eliminated the director from the editing room. They went back and did some reshoots, which he was not a part of, and they edited it together. They sliced away a lot of the film. They got it to 87 minutes. They turned them into aliens, which traveled to Earth. You know, like they got. So you're saying there, there is like dedicated scenes where they say they're from that planet. Oh, yeah. 100 percent. There's like an entire like, I guess, like Supreme Court, like Brad said, where they're just like, we're, you know, we're going to come up with this punishment for you guys losing the war. Those three dudes that don't talk, but talk. Yeah, they talk in mine. Their their mouths are moving in ours. Yeah, that's because when they did the reshoots, they probably didn't want to pay these actors to come back. So they just took scenes where their mouth was closed and did like an overlay of a voice. Brad, did you notice that? Oh, I am. I just remembered that now. I, I got to go see this movie again because this is just. When did you watch it? Um, I watched it a few weeks back on Amazon Prime. Yeah, so... yeah. I watched it. Uh, what is today? Wednesday? Sunday? Well, they cobble. I mean, the director cobbled his director's cut together because he was saying and just like there was other scenes that I wanted to shoot to make this film. But I got all the stuff taking you know, all the creative control taken away. And like, I think they had like like 10 days left to shoot. And they're just like, yeah, you're done. It seemed like the movie was paid for by Christopher Lambert. I don't know if you noticed that right in the beginning. No, he hates this film. Really? It The production company is Lambert. I mean, that's bad on him. I don't know what happened. It's Lambert. And then instantly after that, Lambert's name popped up. And I was like, is Lambert Lambert? 
Well, I mean, Michael Ironside, Christopher Lambert, Virginia Madison, the insurance company and the investors threatened to sue them if they badmouth the film. They didn't have to worry about Sean Connery because Sean Connery didn't give a shit. He just wanted his money. He shot the film. He got paid a ridiculous amount of money for two weeks, and then he just left. He didn't do anything for him. He's just like, bye, I'm done. Then, you know, he was a hired gun. He did his scenes, and he's out. Now, the rest of the actors were pretty pissed off that the director got taken off. I mean, the director actually left after 15 minutes of the screening, according to multiple sources. Like, he just was so disturbed of what they turned his dream into. But we had no had no control over the edit. Yeah, either. yeah, he had no control. I just did a Google search here for Lambert Entertainment. Chris, you are correct. This is a Christopher Lambert uh, associated company here. Two movies to their two titles to their credits. Okay, and sorted by popularity. Highlander Two is more popular than their other movie in this and their in their catalog here called Night Move, starring Christopher Lambert and our old buddy Tom Skerritt from Top Gun. Night Move. Ooh. Damn, that's a movie. You've seen that. I love it. <laughs> I, it's either from the song or I've seen it. I don't know. During a chess tournament, a grandmaster Peter is suspected of murdering Debbie after sex. He helps the police as the murders continues. No, no, I haven't seen that. I wonder if he just lost a bunch of money off this movie. Well, it made point. It made zero point nine two nine hundred twenty thousand dollars is what it made. Well, that'll kill a production company. Yeah, I know. Like, Lambert was really pissed about this, and he he actually like tried to get the film stopped from coming out of what they, you know, edited together. And then they threatened to sue him and a couple other people. Michael Ironside, other Michael Ironside actually said he, he, he wanted nothing part of it. He's just like, whatever I just won't do. I won't say anything bad about the film. Uh, he said, but once the movie comes out in video, I don't care. And they were like, that's fine. Lambert, on the other hand, and Virginia Madison had a real problem with the film because they just thought it made it look made them look bad. I I disagree. This movie is great. Well, basically, the investors and the insurance company threatened to sue them if you say anything negative about this film before it hits, you know, home video and stuff like that. And they finally cooperated and said whatever, but they refused to do any positive, you know, marketing for the film. And you can even tell the U.S. version of the the, um, the trailer is like 45 seconds. It's shit. It's terrible. The marketing for this movie was terrible and they just stuck it out there. But this is really why the main company lost so much money is because they did so many distribution sells. Like there was like nine or two, nine or ten different companies. Nine or two. Nine or two. A nine or ten different distribution companies internationally that got a hold of this. So all this international distribution got splintered and no one made any money. Everyone lost money. And what was funny was, is the director who got like, so a lot of people sold the rights of the distribution of Highlander once the series came out and stuff like that. And he, the director actually made money off a lot of the distributions at the end because no one wanted it. So he just bought them all and then distributed his like renegade cunt and actually made money off this. So good for him. Good for him. Like me love it. Like if I was a bit older for the time, I would have been buying this shit. Like I was a child when this came out. Well, see, the thing the thing is, is like the renegade version apparently has a lot of the like ridiculous uh, gaps filled because the theatrical cut just has like giant gaps where you're like, wait, what's happening? Why is Virginia Madison 
you know, with him. What? Huh? Huh? What's going on? And that's how I felt during the 87 minutes. But I think that like the renegade version is closer to two hours and like actually fills some of the gaps and makes it a lot better. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I think it went okay. Do you think it went okay, Brad? Other than not understanding it? I'd say it's it definitely the consensus is it's a better, better production than the theatrical version. That's what I was so confused about when I hit you guys up. You know, like, what version did you watch? And I was like, what the fuck do you mean? What version did I watch? <laughs> and what's crazy is there's, you know, like the UK and, and there's a TV version, too which a lot of people like try to find like old people who like recorded it because apparently that has other scenes that aren't even in the renegade version. It's nuts. I just got given like a hundred pre-recorded TV things. I wonder if it's on there. Who knows? All right. Well, let's get to this. Brad, do you recommend the renegade special edition version that you watched? I recommend it with a caveat is you really got to be kind of depraved nerd to to enjoy this but if you meet those if you check those boxes off yeah definitely all right that caveat makes sense chris do you recommend yeah the renegade special? <laughs> if you like shitty dystopian 90s dreary all black and sepia toned movies where like the tech isn't right but they're predicting stuff that is right yeah i love it it's so good. It's not great. I'm not. It's not, it will never win awards, but it, I had a blast sitting on my couch by myself with my cat. Just just watching this drinking beer. I can't recommend another movie higher. It did bring me great joy. So I can't recommend the theatrical version uh, on VHS because it's so fucking dark. It's so bad. And I have a good VCR. You mean like dark visually? Yeah, it's bad. The VC, uh, the VHS sucks. Now, I was looking at the YouTube version of the theatrical version, and it's much better. Watch it on that. But from what I can tell, just watch the Renegade version or the special edition Renegade version, because, man, the theatrical is just so fucking bizarre. If if you have friends over and you guys want to, like, do whatever you do to alter your brain in a fun way just put it on and have fun and talk shit with your friends and get confused and pause it and have arguments on time travel. Cause it's the stupidest premise ever. I hate time travel in every movie. Yeah. Th- th- that was my biggest thing about Avengers Endgame is like, man, I pissed off some nerds. I think they did okay with time travel, but it well, is really bad. He- he- here it is. It's like, so what I was, is all I said was I go, yeah, but Endgame ended up, you know, shoehorning in time travel which is one of the laziest script plot devices you can do yeah and they're just like they set that up for like multiple films and everyone got mad they fucking didn't i'm a giant nerd and they didn't set shit up oh it doesn't matter if they set it up it's time travel to redo something i i get it i get it you know I, i thought it was clever that marvel like instead of like going back five years in the past and saying like, oh, none of those people remember. I, I do give them credit for like people lost five years of their life and they're like, what the fuck happened? I like that. But when you use time travel to reset a timeline, it, it's always fucking lazy. And I actually give them credit. And I'm like, how do you do 10 years of a film and then you destroy the main bad guy or the main bad guy wins and then you have to revert it? 
you have to do time travel. They painted themselves mm-hmm. in a corner, but they painted themselves in a corner a long time ago. I don't actually get mad at them, but it's fine to love a film and still accept like yeah, time travels lazy. I love the the Marvel films for how shitty and dumb they are. They're, they're just I'm a nerd and I am super happy that the shit's being made. But for time travel, there's there's two good time travels that I can think of. There's the movie Primer, which ruins it in the last like half. It, it, it like it's not convoluted. Yeah. It's very straight to the point. It's this time machine can't go back farther than the time machine was created. And so it, it makes a lot of sense. And then at the end, they open up to this big like warehouse full of different time machines that are taking time machines. And it gets confusing. They did great until the last like five minutes. And then what is that short story where they travel back in time and they have to walk on these invisible like planks through period or prehistoric because they say even if you step on a butterfly, it will change the future. They've made movies and stuff off of Saved it. by I the Bell. <laughs> Saved by the Bell. It's like a very popular. Yeah, it sounds oddly. I don't know if I've ever seen that, but it sounds something. It sounds like something I've heard of. It's the most popular time travel thing in the world, and I can't remember the name of it. The the time travel to me that works is, you know, like Back to the Future because it's tongue in cheek and they're kind of like, hey, this is ridiculous, right? Yeah, they show his photo fading, like, you know, shit matters. Yeah, I mean, there there's some time travel that works. I'm just saying, like, time travel is, like, known to script writers as, hey, we fucked up. How do we get out of this? Or no, you're just jumping the shark. With the Avengers, they the the whole like Marvel, you know, like first phase of Thanos, they had that set up. I, I don't I actually don't like look at them and be like, they're stupid. It's just like, mm, yeah, you had to well, that's why travel. they invented the pin particles and brought it into the cinematic. Universe. I know it's just like fucking. Time I know I get it. I'm not a Marvel fan. I comic books were I read the edgy shit like image and top cow and stuff because I don't like heroes yeah. winning all the time. You, how are you going to win all the time? Oh, that's what's annoying about most superhero films. Is like There are a few that I do like. Anyway, I recommend the Renegade Special Edition, but let's go on to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go in the film jungle like Indy and bring something back. This is our Highlander wing of the museum. Number two, the quickening. Brad, why don't you go first? Um, Good or bad, buddy. Whatever you good want. Good or bad, just besides the convolution. I mean, just, I would say Michael Ironside's performance. Uh, solid. I mean, it's fucking oh, great. Damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I was going to say the fucking subway scene. Through oh, and through. Whoa, no, 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 no. Brad put in the character. He didn't put in a scene. Dude, that subway scene's so exciting. I'll take the one where he grabs one of the bobs from Office Space by the nuts and throws him off the building. John C. <laughs> that was my note. What a way to die. <laughs> Fucking uh, get, get some pleasure and then thrown out a window. I mean, uh, I... <laughs> I kind of want to. I just want to put in the entire fight where he's like fighting the like flying guy, the porcupine dude, and then he's on like a hoverboard thing or whatever. (laughs) That entire scene, I'm like, oh my god, this is so stupid. I love it. All right, so um, to go into what I was watching, 
Uh, I watched the uh, the boys. We've we've talked about this. Uh, I don't know if it was in last week, but speaking of the good guys not always winning, the boys is a little dark and gets a little kind of like you know just nasty and everything. But I do like the courage that these writers, producers, and directors have on the boys. I heard that graphic novel is far worse than the show. I would believe it. Yeah. Like Starlight's wearing like a, a string bikini. Yeah. Where they're just like exploiting her body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. You can get away with a lot more in the print. I mean, when you actually put actors and everything in front of cameras, you're dealing with human beings and like exploitation films are exploited for a reason. You can't do an entire series of exploitation. Like people just get uncomfortable. I think it's the 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 people that are going to watch. So yeah, you're you're trying to make it for the broadest. Yeah, broadest, my uh, grandpa can watch the boys, but we're us three are going to go by the graphic novel, and that we're going to understand the the nuances and what they're trying to point out. We're not going to get confused by it and think that. Uh, oh God damn it! What's what's Superman's name in that? Homelander. Oh, Homelander. Yeah, we're not going to think Homelander's a Republican idol and then get mad at this season. I've been told, and this is the same thing, and I'm glad I did. I didn't start reading The Walking Dead until far into the show because everyone told me, like, oh, my God, The Walking Dead's so much better print, you know, the graphic novel. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't compare them because, like, you get away with so much more in print in the graphic novel than you do in the actual media of like a series. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to worry about actors. You don't have to worry about humans getting concerned or you don't have to worry about agents. Yeah. You don't have to worry about putting somebody in a situation they don't feel comfortable. I mean, when you get to actually, you know, like putting someone in a series, it's different. You're dealing with humans and exploitation films got away with it back in the seventies and eighties and even into the nineties. Because those people were like one-off films and they were desperate for money and they, some of them were young actors that didn't I also know. Some of that exploitation film is it was pertinent. Yeah. It's like, they drove a point home. Well, the good ones drove a yeah. point home. Yeah. The bad ones just like, let's put some boobies on here and rape and, you know, show like there that. Were, there was boobies in this film. I don't know if you noticed that. When he's driving the car by and he sees those homeless guys. Oh, that yeah, this is weird how they put in the nudity in this one. Just once. They didn't put yeah. it in the sex scenes, just some girl on the side of the street. But anyway, yeah, back to the boys. Uh, I'm impressed with the level of courage that they take. And I know people will be like, well, they're just doing what they did in the graphic novel. That might be true. I haven't read it. But still, it takes courage to do it in media because eliminating popular characters or characters that you know, even a fringe likes takes courage because, you know, you they might not come back for the next season. And this is a streaming service, even Amazon Prime, that relies on subscribers. So if you piss people off, they might not come back. I don't think it's a great show. I think it's a very risky, courageous show. And I give them that. But I do enjoy I, I watch this with Sarah. Sarah watches this one. She likes it in which shocked me, but I, I, I like the boys. I just, do. I like what they're on season three. Yeah. Season they just three. completed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the first two seasons a lot. Like I said, I haven't been able to watch anything since mid may, but you'll enjoy it when you do. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't, dude, my life's getting back to normal. Rooms yep. are getting done. Shit's getting on the walls. I'll get back to watching stuff. All right. Before we end this, you guys, did you guys watch anything you want to talk about? Well, I, uh, I, I guess it was a few months back. I watched Dune. It's like, um, I think I would have had a really hard time keeping up with everything if I hadn't read the books a couple times. I thought the movie did real well. I did too. Yeah, I as somebody that can't read, I didn't. I didn't get confused, but I followed this guy on TikTok. That there's a lot but, of there's a lot of material in the books that they just don't get to. Yeah, this guy oh, on TikTok yeah. explains a lot of that, and it's really cool. It's a it's a very expansive world. Yeah, but book those those books will mess you up if you read them. They are they're something. Yeah, and again, these movies, unless you do it in series, these movies can't get to everything based on a book the book can just cover so much more like i've been getting into warhammer and like the the story of warhammer and dune are just expansive they're very similar that's why i brought it up and like very dystopian fucked up futures and travel between planets and stuff yeah if you ever read like a uh, foundation and dune you'll kind of understand where george lucas got his inspiration for star wars no, oh, he got that everywhere. So, <laughs> but I get your point. That's what I'm saying. I think these are very Star Wars esque movies, and it's just they slightly missed it. But Star Wars is shit. I don't know how many people that I know that love Star Wars forget that it's fucking garbage. Like I love Star Wars. It's trash. It's it's your mom's soap operas with fucking light swords and space travel. Don't forget the space wizards. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I I love it to death, but all these fans that freak out about everything, Star Wars is trash overall. They'll, like, realize you're watching a soap opera. So this is Chris's last episode. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I love Star Wars to death. Darth Maul is one of the coolest characters fucking ever, and I'm so glad he got a bunch in, not the Clone Wars. What was the show called? I don't drink much, and I'm six beers deep, so I'm forgetting stuff. No, I know. No, Darth Maul was. Oh, you're talking about the Clone Wars? The, uh, is that the, the show? The, oh, Clone, the Clone Wars. Wars. Yeah, he was. Yeah, in the yeah, Wars, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in the Clone Wars where he gets the the the, the robot spider legs. legs. Yeah, fucking love that it came back. But I mean, overall, it's trash. I'm just tired of all these Star Wars fans complaining about absolutely everything. I just want Star Wars to go on to new stories like they did with the Mandalorian. But then they came back and they're like, and now we're introducing Boba Fett. And she's like, no, just keep going with new characters. Yeah, Boba Fett. I like the show as a whole, but I don't think it was necessary one bit. No, No, new characters, new characters. It's just like new characters. I'm going to keep interrupting you. New characters. Pinhead, but like Pinhead needs to go. You need to get rid of some characters. Halloween. Maybe if they do another Halloween movie, maybe it's somebody else with the same kind of condition he has or something. Like, can we introduce new characters once in a while, maybe? Well, these franchises just keep making money. That's why they keep introducing the old oh, characters. Oh, I'll see every Star Wars film ever made. Exactly. I know, so why. I'm, I'm so tired of the Skywalker franchise, but you know what? <laughs> I'm going to see them all. <laughs> fucking watch Well, yeah, I tell you what. I, I, this was right before COVID. We were down in um, um, Disneyland in California. I went to Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, you know, and I'm probably a top 10% Star Wars nerd, but I was out of my depths there. Okay. Oh, wow. I was a nobody. My girlfriend is, she's okay with nerd stuff. She's not a nerd by any means. Doesn't even really watch movies, which doesn't make sense, but. 
Um, opposites attracted. But she wants to watch like Star Wars and the Marvel movies and Lord of the Rings with me because so many people gatekeep and just you don't you don't know this weirdly obscure planet that was in one episode of the show that only ran for a half season are you even a fan yeah the gatekeepers of the multiple franchises out there are just so annoying like, oh my god but anyway uh chris before we go um i know you said you don't have much time but did you watch anything no that's what i'm saying i haven't really all right watched anything I've been watching the guy on YouTube play magic a lot. He's really good. But I mean, other than that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then we are ready to go. So, guys, remember to be kind. And rewind. Brad. One, One, two, two, three, go. Rewind. Rewind. Yeah. (laughs) I love it.